Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. If you would please remain standing for those who are able for the reading of our scripture this morning. I will be reading from Revelation 21, verse 10, and then verse 22 going into the 22nd chapter. Hear these words. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healings of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. I've had a number of people say they've enjoyed Uh, the sermon series on Revelation. That's just about killing me. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. I can barely get through one one verse, and I have to go to another verse. What did that last verse just say? Try to figure it out. Sometimes you have to make strategic decisions. One choice over the other especially when you consider your vision and your end goal. And we heard that a little bit with our strategic planning team. This is what happened with Revelation. We have to make choices. The series could last for months. How would you like a year-long sermon series on Revelation? That's a sure way to clear out the church. But in this series, we have been very, very intentional about focusing on the six cycles of visions in Revelation. 
I've summarized this each week, and one scholar put it this way, each cycle begins in the presence of God or Christ, then depicts a series of challenges or threats before returning back to the presence of God or Christ again. And so far, we have focused on the importance of a number of things. We focused on the importance of our Christian witness, about the throne of God and the slain lamb, which is at the heart of Revelation. We've spent some time on the scroll that John tasted that's both bitter and sweet, which is the word of God. And of course, with every discussion of Revelation, there's the battle between good and evil. It always enters the conversation. We have to be open. We have to be transparent about it because we experience it good and evil in our lives. But we've also talked about this idea of free will, free will. No one is twisting our arms for us to make certain decisions. We make our own choices. Sometimes we don't know which direction we're heading in. It's like driving in Metro Atlanta. There's a lot of peach trees, okay? But there are so many twists and turns it's hard to know which direction you're headed in. Thank goodness for digital compasses and digital maps, especially those built-in navigational systems that are in your car, because they help you get where you need to go. Because just when you think you're going north, you're really heading south. Wouldn't it be nice to have a navigational system for our faith? Wouldn't it be nice to have a navigational system to help us with revelation? These choices, free will, it's important for us Methodists. It's key to our theology, it's key to who we are. We are not predestination folk. We believe that we each have a choice, and we have a choice, and our free will is available only because of the grace of God. And I like this word grace. Don't you? This word grace, it's good. It's a good word to know. In fact, our entire theology is based on this word, grace. Provenient, justifying, sanctifying grace. It sounds good, but it, it doesn't matter much if we don't know what it means. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't negotiate it. You can't place limits on it or even think and consider who should receive it and who shouldn't receive it. It's a gift, plain and simple. Have you ever received a gift with no strings attached whatsoever? Surprising, and you're glad that somebody thought of you when they gave you this gift. I had a gift show up recently in my office. Sometimes I have little gifts right there out by my table just as you enter into my office. And this gift was four beautiful framed pictures of Jerusalem. Four beautiful pictures of Jerusalem. And then I got an email that said, here's a gift, you know, do whatever you'd like with it. No strings attached. Beautiful pictures to do with whatever I want to do. When we, we read the book of Revelation, Grace may not be on the tip of our tongues. We might not be thinking about that. It might not be a word that we would use to describe revelation. 
And that's fair, I think. I mean, after all, we've seen judgment in it a lot. Lots and lots of judgment. A battle with Satan, judgment. The whore of Babylon, can I say that in church? Judgment. The unfaithful, judgment. Christians who remain faithful, even when we have to stand before God. Judgment. Takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Judgment, free will, consequences. It's there. Consequences of our choices. It's plain and simple. Now, judgment could be our focus, but that is not how the prophet John sees it. For him, it's all about redemption. For him, it's all about a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Not because we've earned it, or even deserve it, but because of God's amazing and extravagant grace, unmerited favor. Today we join John on the mountaintop, and um, how appropriate it is that he's on a mountaintop, because good things happen on the mountaintops. Moses would say that's true. Moses was on the mountaintop when he actually saw God and received the Ten Commandments. The prophet Ezekiel, his handprints are all over this vision from John, because like John, Ezekiel was taken up to a mountaintop, and he was given a vision of a future temple, a restored community where the presence and the holiness of God are alive. Mountaintops are good signs. Don't you think? Have you ever been on a mountaintop? Have you ever had a bad experience on a mountaintop? Probably not. John is on the mountaintop, only his vision of the new Jerusalem doesn't involve a temple per se. No brick and no mortar, no pews, no narthex, no chancel. The temple, the temple is the Lord God and the Lamb. They are together the temple. And we're back right where we started, the throne of God, the centerpiece of revelation. And what we learn is that there is no need for brick or mortar because God and the Lamb are the temple. God's temple encompasses all of heaven and all of earth and all of eternity. It's hard for us to get our minds around this image, this magnificent, magnificent vision. The power and the glory and the majesty of God and John does something interesting, too. He sprinkles his images with all the things that will not be there in this new temple. Sometimes that's how it is, isn't it? We want to know what to expect. Is anyone going to dress up at that event? No, no. No one's going to dress up. It's going to be casual. Okay, that's good. Well, do I need to bring a dish to share? No, no, you don't need to bring a dish to share. Just come. Just bring yourself. Thank goodness. It's that concert at church. Do I have to pay anything? Is there a fee? Is there any type of, you know, nope, nope, nope. It's not going to cost you a penny. There's not going to be an offering. You don't have to worry. Just come and bring yourself. I think it's important. We want to know what to expect. John says there will be no seas, which is tumult, which is chaos, distress. There will be no tears in this new Jerusalem, no death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no, nothing unclean, 
no evil, no sin, no falsehood, no moon, no night, no day, no closed gates. There is nothing at all to fear in this new Jerusalem. The only thing is this full radiance of God that lights the way. Now, we might get into a bit of a problem when we see that there's also this book of life. The lamb is holding the book of life. And, it, and when we look in it, we might be surprised who's in it. The faithful witnesses will be there. Yes, we know that. But we all do that, right? We all ask questions about who's going to be in it. Is so-and-so going to be in it? I can't believe she's going to be in it. Well, what about him? He is so annoying. Tell me he's not going to be in the book of life with me. And when we do that, let's be honest, we're going to be surprised who's written in the book of life. It's good that we are not keepers of this word grace. Because we might put parameters around it. There's a funny story um, that's been shared with me many, many years ago. And I always remember it, and I don't even know that it's theologically sound. But I'm going to share it because I think it makes its point. It's one of those Peter and Paul at the pearly gates. Peter and Paul, <laughs> standing at the pearly gates, they got their checklist. Who's in, who's not in? People come up, they give them their name, and if you're in, they check it off and they let you in. At the end of every day, they count. They count the checklist and they make sure that the checklist numbers match the numbers inside the pearly gates. But something begins to happen. The numbers are starting to be skewed. They can't make sense of what is happening because they're not matching. There are more numbers inside of the pearly gates than the numbers of people that they've allowed in. <laughs> but then they noticed something happening. They noticed on the side of one of the walls, Jesus is there. And he has his hands clasped, and he's bent, and he's helping lift people over the wall. Now, I don't know if that's theologically sound, but it's a good thing that we are not in charge. God's word, grace, belongs to God. John shares with us this vision of the new Jerusalem and we don't know when it's going to happen. Theologians, pastors, and many Christians, as we've talked about, have spent years and years studying to try to understand the parousia, we call it, the second coming of Christ, eschatology, the end of times, expensive words I learned in seminary. They cost me a lot of money. <laughs> Jesus tells the high priest in Matthew's gospel, from now, one day, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The slain lamb is right there by the throne of God, and the Son of Man will reign on heaven and on earth. And we don't know when that is. John Wesley, for him, heaven means eternal joy and happiness with Christ. But if we take a closer look at John's vision, we see the throne. And coming from the throne is the river of life. And running down the middle of it is in the streets, and on each side 
is the tree of life, the tree of life that we find in the Garden of Eden. And the throne, you can't ever get away from the throne of God because it's right there in the center. It's the place where all the faithful, and they are doing something glorious. They are worshiping. They are worshiping God. It's a beautiful and a hopeful vision, one that is filled with peace and grace and love, the healing and the redemption of the world, because within it, those trees are the leaves for the healing of the nations. And I don't know about you, but I need that right now. I need, I need this, a hope of a new Jerusalem, a place where there is no pain, there's no suffering, there's no sin, no evil, only worship, a place that only God can provide, a place of grace, a place we all need, I think, especially in today's broken world. Admittedly, the world is a bit overwhelming right now. We hear about the rising cost of inflation. I'm almost done. Prices are skyrocketing. There's a shortage of baby formula, of all things. The war in Ukraine plastered all over the news that's impacting the world. We're seeing people dying on the screens. COVID numbers are rising. We're in another political season. There is the church's battle over human sexuality. And just this past week, just this past week, a horrific crime occurred. A United Methodist pastor in our conference who served a church in Atlanta was brutally murdered at the hands of the one to whom she was ministering to. I don't know if you saw it. It's on the news. It's in the paper. Beautiful, beautiful, kind soul. Doing the work of the kingdom. We live in a broken world. In a hurting world. This revelation from John is a message that we need to hear today. Because we need to know. I do. That one day there will be no more tears. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more crying. One day, we're going to be in that new Jerusalem. And we're going to join the saints throughout the centuries. And we're not going to worry about a thing. Imagine a life without worry. The only thing worthy of our time will be to worship God. To worship the Lamb that redeems the world. Ah, we don't know when this will happen, but it will. John says it will. The scriptures say it will. Jesus says it will. And God made promises that it will happen. I think those are pretty good odds. I guess in the meantime, though, when I look out at our world, I think we've got some work to do. We have some choices to make about how we're going to spend our time, because it's short. I think it has something to do with this word grace. And we might want to make sure that it's in our navigational 
system because we might want to know what's going to help us get to where it is that we need to go. May it be so. May it be so. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.